Welcome to Consumed, the podcast that stokes conversations with eaters, drinkers, thinkers, and makers. I'm Jamie Lewis, and this 18th season, I speak with folks across California, from Santa Barbara to the Bay Area, covering subjects as varied as lab-grown meat and artificial intelligence, food writing and pizza, hot vegan takeout, Santa Rita Hills Pinot Noir, carbon steel skillets, closing the loop on food systems, happy meals, charcuterie, agritourism, and much more. I hope you get to hear all of it. Thanks for listening. Before we jump in, I want to share a few words about our sponsors. Casa du Metz is a boutique winery in Los Alamos celebrating its 12th year in this historic one-horse town. Their attention and motivation is captured by creating aromatic fresh wines that defy expectation. With three brands, Casa du Metz, Clementine Carter, and The Feminist Party, their goal is to highlight the beauty and bounty of Santa Barbara wine country. They have a particular sweet spot for Rhone variety wines sourced from Cool Climate Vineyard Partners in the Santa Rita Hills. Join them for their popular weekly speaker series, monthly wine club vineyard tours, Malibu sessions, and a unique tasting experience where you choose your own wine adventure. Join the discovery with Casa du Metz and their sister business, Babby's Beer Emporium, next door to explore quirky craft beers and bubbles while enjoying dumplings and spicy wings from Dim Sama. 2023 marks their 19th vintage, and they want to celebrate with you. Visit casadumetz.com. For more information. Consumed is sponsored by Slow Life magazine. Since 2010, Slow Life has celebrated the culture of San Luis Obispo with features on the people, influences, products, and businesses that keep the city moving and shaking. For the last eight years, I've written the food column in Slow Life magazine, in which I cover restaurants and food trends here. More and more, I've seen how devoted the magazine's following is. Readers love learning about their community and weaving into the fabric of this very special place. To learn how you can subscribe or get in on the action, visit slowlifemagazine.com. We all know eating fruits and veggies is an important part of staying healthy. Fresh, local produce has the most flavor and nutrition, but how do you know what's in season locally? Become part of the Tally community as a member of the Tally Farms Box Program. Tally grows their produce and partners with other California farmers to include the freshest and best-tasting local produce you can find anywhere. Farming on the Central Coast since 1948, the Tally family created the Tally Farms Box to make healthy eating easy and affordable. Here's how it works. Select which size box you want, then choose pickup or home delivery and how often you want to get your box. It's flexible for customization and vacation holds, and included in all boxes are tested recipes and storage recommendations. Come be a part of Tally's healthy lifestyle. Visit tallyfarmsbox.com and use promo code CONSUMED for $10 off your first box. That's promo code CONSUMED for $10 off. Eat fresh, eat local, and eat lots of California fruits and veggies for better health. Okay, on to the episode. In 2014, Lynette Sani founded Farmstead Ed, an organization whose goal is not just to get people to buy locally made products, but to see the small farms and ranches where the goods are grown and made. This is what's called agritourism, and it has its spiritual home in Italy, where staying overnight on a farm and experiencing its culture up close bonds visitors to the work being done there in a special way. 
I had met Lynette several times in the past, and I knew that Farmstead Ed had developed a Slow County Farm Trail for visitors to use, but I really saw her efforts up close during the 2023 Open Farm Day, where small family farms along the trail opened their gates to the public. That day, my son and I made tea in the garden at Niner Wine Estates. We tasted olive oil at Olea Farm. We learned about the honey collecting process at Sierra Honey Farm. And we swooned over lavender at Hambly Lavender Farm. Recently, Lynette's also taken on the role of executive director with the Paso Robles Distillery Trail. So she knows a thing or two about the food and drink landscape of the Central Coast. Enjoy my conversation with Lynette Sani. I first met or knew about you through the Cattle Women's Association. Isn't that right? Right. Yeah. Wait, when I was Wait, yeah. running Edible. Exactly. And I hooked you up with Jensen Lorenzen to do a story on the Cattle Women's Association. We did. And we went out to um, Susan Cochran Lewis's That's ranch. That's right. Yep. And did a big cookout out there and a roundup. One of my biggest mistakes ever was letting Jensen do it and not doing it myself. (laughs) (laughs) Big, big mistake. I'm sure he would not agree, but yeah, Yeah. I just remember the photos, the story. Everything was was so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. So beautiful. And we had, if I remember right, we had four generations represented. Yeah. You did all on horses. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. I've just been getting back into horseback riding because I did it as a kid and, um, yeah, I, I didn't realize how much I missed it. But anyway, I so regret not taking that story. But that was the first time I met you. And then um, we were on a panel together at Cal Poly yeah, talking yeah. about what were we talking we're, about? Well, I was talking about agritourism. And yes. I think we were talking about just in general, because um, Jensen was on that panel yes, as that's well, right. Yeah. right? And then um, somebody that was doing the Cal Poly Jams. Um, yes. was there too. And we were all talking about agriculture and yeah. the collaborative effort in the community because uh, we are such a collaborative community, yeah, right? Yeah, for sure. And yeah. how we all come together. And it's fun when you or Jensen call and say, hey, Lynette, I need to know or who do you know? Yeah. And being that connector. I yeah. mean, to me, that's where my value add is in our agricultural community. Yeah. And then also now in our distillery community too. Yeah, so I want to get there. But where did you grow up? You didn't grow up here, I don't think, did you? I did not grow up here, but my folks did, and their folks did, and their folks did. Hmm. So technically, um, I'm fourth generation on one side, fifth on the other. Really? Um, Slow County. Yeah. My mom was the city girl. She grew up in Paso, and my dad was the country boy. He grew up in Creston. Oh, wow. And they went to Fresno State, which is I was born in Fresno. And then my dad got a job in the Bay Area at a college, Mm -hmm. and so that took us to the East Bay. I grew up in Pleasanton, which is very much like Paso at the time. Yeah. Agricultural. Yeah. We could ride our horses to town and get a burger, and yeah, it was great. It was great. So I got to, you know, that's my entire grow up years were there. But we came back to Paso like every other month because Mm. we have so much family here. Yeah. And so both sides of the family were here. So we would come down. So this always felt like home. Yeah. So when I finally got to decide where I got to pick to put my roots, these are where my roots are. And when, when about did you do that? About 20 years ago. Okay. Yeah. You didn't go to Cal Poly or... I did yeah, so not. many people return for that. I yeah, know. no, I did not go to Cal Poly. Okay. Did your interest in ag 
what did you work in ag right out of you know high school college whatever has it always been a part of your life it or your ha- career your professional life it's always been a part of my passion okay and so growing up i had horses mm-hmm. and i showed horses spent a lot of time on the road doing that and so that was a big part of my growing up life learning the responsibility that came with that mm-hmm. and huge responsibility oh my gosh like yeah. having a car i mean or, or actually harder Harder it, than having a car. I, for me, it was harder than having a car. I had more yeah. freedom with my horse than I did my car. <laughs> yes, right. Totally. Horse doesn't need a road. Yeah. Horse can and go it, But it taught me, you know, my work ethics and my values and that, you know, hey, if you want more silver on your saddle, then you got to work for it. Yeah. And if you want that blue ribbon, you need to work for it. Mm-hmm. And so I think a lot of, or I don't think, I know a lot of my ethics and my morals came from that as well as my family. Yeah. That yeah. gives me good perspective on a lot of the students that I taught at Poly, I was working in ag communications. So using my journalism background, but working with ag students that had to take yeah. ag communications. Um, yeah, they, so many of them were already up, you know, three hours before an 8am class because they were taking care of their horse or they were doing something for another gig that they had through Cal Poly. And, um, the work ethic is so high. It's so high. Yeah. I, I'm just generalizing here, but the the folks that I met who were really committed to that way of life, it was just really, really incredible. Talking to them about branding and castrating weekend and all that stuff, it was like, oh God, <laughs> I am a weak person. That's when it really, that's when it really became clear. Like, oh, oh no, gosh. I'm just not built for that. No, I'm a weak person. <laughs> but commitment, commitment is is it for it is, sure? Yeah. Um, because the animals eat first, the plants yeah. get watered first, and you got to do all that stuff before you go to school. Yes, and then you get to do it again when you get home. Yeah, right. And it's no different now. So it really, if that's your life, and and it is a lifestyle, um, and so people are either you know that's part of their DNA or it's Mm -hmm. just part of their passion. And for me, it was because my day job doesn't have anything to do with agriculture. Yeah. And so um, this Farmstead Ed and the Slow County Farm Trail was a passion project of mine that morphed into a business. So it was a side thing for you. Oh, for sure. What were you doing? What was your meat and potatoes? So I do project management and owner representation for the rollout of retail stores. And so my team, really? we designed, build, and turn over retail stores. And wow. yeah, so I've been doing that for a lot of years. And I've had my consultancy near 30 years doing that. What does that look like? Is that for big clients or is it for more mom and pop like privately held family owned business. Yeah, it's more honestly, it's more bigger clients. Um, like I have a couple clients right now, they've been online merchants mm-hmm. and they want to go to brick and mortar. Mm-hmm. So my team's the one that'll take them to brick and mortar. You set up POS and, and so, display and well, we even start sooner than that. We help with real estate okay. um, as far as shopping for locations and um, diving into that, space planning, hmm. then design, doing the programming, understanding what needs to, you know, logistically go into a store. And so basically our goal is we design and develop a store that you'll walk into if there was no product there, Mm -hmm. you'd still know you were in that store. Oh, that's great. Right? Yeah. And so it's developing that brand DNA through the design and the layout. How'd you get into that? 
Um, well, kind of crazy. My parents had a construction company mm -hmm. and I grew up in that industry and I wanted nothing to do with it. Yeah. And so I went to fashion school because what else would you do, right? You have always had such great style. I'm looking at this <laughs> pendant you have on. Yeah, that, that fits. Okay. Uh, well, thank you. You're welcome. Um, uh, so did that, but then, so got into retail store planning though at, at FITM, Fashion mm -hmm. Institute of oh, Design nice. and Merchandising. And yeah, so I really didn't know what I wanted to do. I wasn't tall enough to make a state school's volleyball team, which was yeah. what my dream was. You are tall though, and but not tall enough. Not tall enough. No, no if you want to be a setter, 5'10 is tall. But if you want to be a hitter, which I was, you're oh. not tall. So popped my dreams right there. And mm -hmm. so I didn't know what I wanted to do. And so a friend of mine was going to fashion school and I'm like, oh, why not? Mm -hmm. And so she didn't end up still Sticking with it, I did, um, and got an AA in retail administration yeah. and space planning. And then somehow that mm. married with what your parents did. Yeah, in a, in a different sort of way. So I went to work for a retailer, and but I was retailing, right? Mm -hmm. I was selling and doing that. And then they wanted to start growing. And because they were a mom and pop, mm. um, I was the most experienced on the team that mm -hmm. had any kind of development background, um, which I didn't realize how much I had because very much like we're sitting at the kitchen table here, yeah. That's I grew up with superintendents coming with blueprints onto my kitchen table. Yeah. And hearing that, you know, I lived it. Yeah. And so then I, beca I became their program developer and we rolled out retail stores and they're kind of morphed my, what I ended up doing. And now it sounds to me, if you've been doing it 30 years, then you have a niche. It means I'm old. No, um, it means that you're successful. I do. I do have a niche. I do have a niche yeah. and, um, I love it. I love what I do and it's, um, it's a niche I'm known for, mm -hmm. and I take great pride in making schedules, making budgets, yeah. and really, that's a connector of sorts, too. So as a project manager, you're building a unique team for each and every project. Mm -hmm. I don't have the same teammates on every job, mm -hmm. and so I pull in the people that are best for that project and for that client. Well, that's what we're doing with agriculture, too, yeah. is, you know, and being that connector of mm -hmm. how to pull people together. Mm -hmm. So when I first started, um, it really was this kind of aha moment about why don't my friends and local people know about these amazingly rich farms that we have. When you started Farmstead Ed. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And... Uh, it, cause people would say, oh my gosh, this meat you put on the barbecue is so good. Where'd mm -hmm. you get it? Mm -hmm. Where, oh, these salad greens are amazing. I'm like, you guys, it's grown like 20 mm -hmm. minutes from here, mm -hmm. you know? And so I realized people didn't understand that. And that's when the farm to table movement was really getting on and you'd go into town and the restaurants would say, Ooh, farm to table. We have local, yeah. but where local from who local. Mm -hmm. And so Farmstead Ed, our job is to get people to the farm. Yeah. So we sit, we spin it we say table to farm. Yeah. And mm -hmm. we get them to the farm. They take a tour. They meet the farmer. They get their hands dirty mm -hmm. doing whatever mm -hmm. it is that farmer does. And then we always eat. Yeah. Because we want to eat off the land. We want to learn what they've produced. The farmer sits with us to share the meal. And then that's the workshop. All right. So explain then during the course of the year on, on a normal weekday or or you know, let's say July 17th, what do you as Farmstead Ed offer? Because I know there's special events and things, but 
how how do you impact or how do you interface with the public on just a normal day? On just a normal day, I would say it would be that Farmstead Ed is the platform for the Slow County Farm Trail. Okay. And so at any day, somebody can come. We have over 30 partners. Mm-hmm. And you pop on and um, our interactive map, you can say check the box for goats mm-hmm. and I want to go see a goat. And mm-hmm. then the farms that have goats pop up. Yeah. Um, or I want goats, goat milk soap, or I want, you know, like whatever product you're in the mood for. Right? So well, someday that's, um, oh, we would okay. love to get that detailed. We do have farm trail pantry as okay. one of the boxes to check. There you go. And you have somebody like slow provisions, for example, or mm-hmm. apple farm that carries the products from the slow County yes. farm trail. And so that's how we collaborate with local retailers. Okay. And then we have, um, the, what's fun for me, and um, I've been called an agricultural matchmaker, um, yeah. which is a huge compliment. It is. Um, but in you know, my dear friends, Kurt and Martha at Life Elements, for example, yes. yeah. and introducing them to Hambly Farms that grows lavender yes. or Groves on 41 that has olive oil and all the ingredients they need. Yeah. So it's locally grown makes locally made. Yeah. And that's what's really special for me, too, is to see that. And you had talked about Thomas with Sierra Honey Farm. Well, I think he met Martha as well for you. Yeah. 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 And she uses his beeswax and his honey in her products as well. So, yeah, that was such a great... So, for the listener... I know, I know. You're so happy about that. (laughs) Scheming. Uh, For the listener's benefit, uh, my son and I went on the open farm day, which is, is it twice a year? Oh, we do it once a year. Once a year. It's the big shebang. It is. And it's, um, that's why I ask, you know, as opposed to just a normal day, what does this look like? This is a big, everybody, all hands on deck. You know, you pay a fee to go and have access to all these farms. You kind of try to hit as many as you can. Sure. um, Depending on how you like to do it. Uh, We tried to do as many as possible and we got four. um, But that was including, you know, full olive oil tasting at Olea Farms. Awesome. um, Tea making at Niner. um, What else did we do? You went to Sierra Honey. Thank you. Yes, we went to Sierra Honey and we did the tour of the facility, which is no small thing. Because he's not, Thomas is not only a beekeeper, but he also does all of the, all the, the extractions. The, exactly. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. The extractions yes. and bottling and all of that. Which is super fascinating. It's a lot like winemaking equipment or, or canning or bottling equipment. The mechanics it of it, it, it's really incredible. And you speak of the mechanics of it, and this is Thomas as well as other farmers, they are mechanics because when their have equipment breaks down, yeah. um, they've got to have their MacGyver kit right there and figure out, you know, how to get it. Cause that's productivity. Yeah. And they have to, you know, they can't wait for a serviceman to come. Right. They got to know their equipment to do that. And that's a big part of being a farmer. Good point. So on the day that we were at Sierra honey farm, um, farm, honey farm, what do we call it? Sierra? Yeah. It's Sierra honey farm. Oh, is it? It is. Okay. Farming bees. Okay. Um, ranching bees. Uh, we had to wait to get our tour, and so they had foot soaks from Life Elements. And Wasn't that awesome? So fun and so necessary. It was so hot. It was so hot. So Corbin and I had our feet in some lovely um, assault bath, basically, and it was just so great. So anyway, I, I got the community sense of, you know, everybody partnering with everybody else. And at Alea, um, the Cuesta College... What do we call that? The the wine yep. and vit program or the um, ag program. 
Okay, yeah. Because they were we, represented there. They had, um, at one farm, we had their rangeland management that was program. It. That was them. And uh, that was awesome to yeah. have them be a part of it this year. Yeah. We were really, really thrilled. Dean. Dean and I had a nice conversation. So, yeah, anyway, it's a real, it's kind of a wake-up call for locals, I think, to the fact that it's everywhere around here. And we really have access to it in a way that, Nobody has access to it. So I think it's good for locals. I know it's great for um, visitors, but for me as a local, and I'm decently plugged in, and and I didn't know a lot of what I found out that day. There's a lot, and our, so many of our farms are small family farms, and they don't have their gates open um, oh. every day. So this is something very special, and you know, bringing up Thomas again, but he, this is the only time you can go tour his farm. Mm. Um, so because farmers are busy farming, yeah, and they don't have tour guides and marketing people, and mm. so that's something that Farmstead Ed has really been able to help with, is shout out and shine lights on local yeah. agriculture and the small family farm. Mm -hmm. And so Farmstead Ed has been kind of the go-to now for folks like Travel Paso and SlowCal because agritourism is a thing and it's here Mm -hmm. to stay. It's not a trend. Yeah. And when it comes to the tourism of this county, um, a lot of people want to incorporate things other than wine tasting, or yeah. I should say in addition to. Yeah. Um, we all love wine tasting and spirits tasting and mm-hmm. such, but, you know, your palate needs a break, and yeah. what else is there? And Well, and what about, I mean, people with children or people who don't drink, or, I mean, there really exactly. is. that. I will say that was one of the best things about that day is I could bring my child, and it wasn't about booze at all. And that was nice because sometimes around here, that's ag is booze a lot of the time. And that's fine. And we all love that. Right. Um, But it's so great when there's something like olive oil tasting where we can actually compare and contrast different agricultural products that aren't alcoholic, where he and I can have a conversation about it. Olive oil tasting is one of the best things you can do with a kid, I think. It's inclusive. Yeah. I mean, and it really is. And to your point, you can have that interaction on the same topic. Right. It's not just, hey, mommy's going to be tasting wine. You go sit yeah. in the corner with your coloring book. Yeah. You know, this is something as a family. There's a time and a place for that. Of too, course, of course, yes. of course. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I did like that very much. It was so inclusive. Right. And, you know, it just blows my mind. We have an over $2 billion economic impact. Mm -hmm. And when I say we, agriculture, Mm -hmm. that's huge in this county. And I think to your point, people don't understand how huge it really is. And, you know, we take a lot for granted too, I think, as being in agriculture. We do, totally. I still to date, one of my favorite stories is we were doing a workshop out at Giving Tree Family Farm in Mm -hmm. Santa Margarita. Um, They have goats and alpaca Mm -hmm. and some pigs. And uh, they have a very small barn, milking barn. And so Tina was doing her milking demo and I was standing just outside the barn giving, excuse me, giving everybody some space. Mm -hmm. And I hear this, oh my gosh, honey, come quick. Oh my God. Oh my God. And I'm like, oh God, somebody's bleeding. They're having a heart attack. You (laughs) know, I'm like, where's the first egg get, you know, and I come running in and she goes, look, the chicken laid an egg. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, Oh, of course it did. <laughs> oh, 
but it really was for me it was a wake-up call at what we take for granted Mm -hmm. and that people think eggs come from a grocery store they don't know they come out of the pooter of the little chicken you know (laughs) so I think it's important right Uh, that they get and that obviously you know you can't stage that that was just a happy happenstance yeah the chicken's gonna do what the chicken's gonna do exactly but it just reminded me that it's the little things it doesn't have to always be this huge orchestration right which I tend to kind of do um but keeping it simple Mm -hmm. and that people are being introduced to something brand new or they're being educated on something they want to know more about yeah and whether it's Learning to make sausage so you appreciate how much sausage costs a pound. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. Or you learn how to make goat milk soap and then you understand why it's 10 or 12 bucks a bar. Right. Um, You can either get all the things and take it home and make it yourself or Mm. you can be real happy to pay someone else to make it. Yes. And know who made it and know the ingredients. And they know what they're doing. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So funny story with having grown up here. I, you know, anybody who grows up, particularly for me in South County, I grew up in Napomo. So you would often regularly see people in cowboy hats riding horses, like sure. beside the freeway or on, you know, back roads, whatever. It was not unusual. And I mean, actually, even beyond that, you would see somebody in a cowboy hat in like Costco. Okay. We don't even yeah. register these things. Yeah. I went back East for school my dear friend Caroline came home with me one summer, spring break, I mean, and we were driving on the freeway back from the Santa Barbara airport where I picked her up. And she went, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, just like your chicken person. It was kind of like, stop the car. Stop the car, stop the car. There was a guy with a cowboy hat on, on a horse with cattle, and she could not believe her first cowboy sighting that that was real that that happens here I mean at our wedding we had a number of cowboy hats and she was just blown away by that so anyway you're so right the small things that we take for granted here it's um, our lifestyle yeah right yeah and it's not just in the movies not just in the movies mm -mm. it's real all right so so Does it feel like Farmstead Ed, and I know you have Distillery Trail now too, but does it feel like those two projects are starting to hedge out your, your, um, you know, bread and butter job? Um, well, COVID really, um, had it, had did a, it force your hand on it that forced my hand. Yeah. Yeah, it really did. Uh, because I have in typical for my industry, I had a couple of years of work, um, you know, contracted out yeah. and when COVID hit, nobody's building a retail store uh-huh. and my backup plan was always, well, gosh, the worst thing I can at least go sling wine for one of my <laughs> friends at the wineries, but they were all closed. Right. So I was like, Oh my gosh, but agriculture and food was, it didn't stop growing. Did nope, it? Yeah. It didn't. And how were we, but what happened is a lot of these retailers that were carrying our local farms products mm. shut down. Yeah. So or it like had a clamped huge, down and didn't. Right. It yeah. had a huge impact on their sales and how were we going to keep these guys rolling? Mm-hmm. And so that was a big deal. And what was really neat is, um, Maggie over at the hatch. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you remember, she had a program feeding the slow frontliners. Oh, yes. Yeah. And it Maggie. was to get, she's awesome. She's so awesome. Um, yes. And it was to get 
it was a twofold thing. It was yes, to show appreciation and get food to the frontliners, mm-hmm. but it was also to keep restaurant industry working, right? Yeah. Because they too were challenged with the shutdown. And so she reached out and I was like, how can, how can we help? How can mm-hmm. we be a part of this? So what we did as Farmstead Ed is we did a little mm-hmm. pop-up market at Nature's Touch in Templeton. Yeah, nice. And um, that allowed the farms and the makers to bring their product in because it's essential. Yes. Right. Right. And that was the key. And so we were able to do, um, a 25% donation Mm -hmm. to the feeding the slow frontliners. So that helped support that. And then the farms got their markup Mm -hmm. so that they could keep doing what they were doing. Yeah. And it was our little itty bitty part to make a bigger part. Yeah. And from that launched Raven down at, um, Avila Valley barn, she said, you know, Again, we get to be open and we get to be here mm-hmm. and we want to help and support the community. She says, please put out a note to everybody on the farm trail that we want them to bring all their products down. Oh, cool. um, no dog and pony, just mm-hmm. a box of products. Everybody got a picnic table throughout, you know, That's so there's so lots cool. of space. Yeah. She went around and she bought from every single one of them to stock their store. That is really cool. And that's how Farm Trail Pantry was born. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Well, and Steve did the same thing at Slow Provisions. Steve. Yeah. Love him. Um, yeah, I remember them being really active during uh-huh. during the shutdown. Well, so that definitely, you raised such a good point about how COVID kind of realigned our values. You know, I, I it has lasting effects. I don't know that we all are in the same frame of mind that we were in terms of supporting local. But I it definitely made an impact that will last a long time. It did. Um, and your work totally, you were set up to connect people already, which right. is great. Right. Yeah. It was there. And then our workshops and the activities happening on the farm because they were outdoors. Yes. Safe. Um, it was safe. Mm-hmm. So we had our very first film on the farm at oh. Hartley Farms. Yeah. They have a beautiful, beautiful venue for that. And that's the lavender folks, right? No, they're the, actually jam. Oh, they grow. That's right. Hambly is the Hambly folks. Hambly okay. is lavender and right. Hartley is stone fruit and jam. Right. Okay. Yeah. And gorgeous wedding event venue. Yeah. Gorgeous. So we did kiss the ground, which mm-hmm. seemed really significant, especially mm-hmm. then families came, they picnicked, um, it was just, it was wonderful. And that started something for us. Yeah. Um, the following year, we did Brittany Apps, Where There Was Once Water. Oh, and that was our so film good. on the farm. And so it's it helped us develop some programs. It helped us redevelop. It helped us um, understand where uh, consumers' interests were. Mm-hmm. And that, because the very first open farm day, we had to cancel. Why? Well, remember, we were on again, off again for oh, COVID Oh, it was stuff. during that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so it was like we had, you know, at some point you got to make the call. Yeah. And so we ended up canceling the first one. Mm. And so, um, you know, this, the first year we did a one day. Last year we did two days and a kickoff event. This year we did a marketplace on Friday yes. night. We did two days, plus we did a dinner. Yeah. Um, it's a big full weekend. Totally. And it was really <laughs> well attended and sometimes sold out. Right. Yeah. Um, it was really well attended this year, though not as uh, the heat. I think kept a lot of people. Oh, away, it was hot. Sadly, it was hot. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. though, like I was saying before we started, is my hair falling out? Here we go. Um, we handled it okay. I don't know. We, I felt like the farms were 
They were really well set up to take care of people who were hot. Just in case anybody's thinking about going next year, and it, it very well may be hot again next year. Um, Tends to be in July. Okay. So, yeah. And, yeah. Um, but, yeah. But it was very, we were comfortable enough. The hardest time, like I was telling you, was in the in the honey hut um, with Thomas trying to learn, you know, the the honey equipment and the building that it's in, it can never be chilled. It has to be at room temp or above for, I can't remember why, but there are good reasons. And it was just stinking hot in there. Yeah. So we kind of did our tour fast and then we came outside and there were misters and fans and everything. And it was yeah, just, they lovely. had those ginormous fans yeah. out there. And yeah. 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 That was nice. That was nice. So then where, so farmstead ed gets to a point where you're like, okay, this is working. This is valuable. Mm-hmm. And you've partnered with SloCal and Travel Paso and all those guys. So where did the distillery trail come from? Because I think, didn't it exist before you got involved? Yes. And it was it was fine, but it wasn't, I, I wasn't seeing as much uh, marketing and outreach before as it has been since you've been involved. Well, good. That means that I'm doing something right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and those distillers, like you said, they have their own jobs. They're making something. So they exactly. can't necessarily be And they're small, um, you know, and that's the thing what I love about this county is um, the entrepreneurship and the, yeah. the small craft, whatever it is, whether they're growing, whether they're making, whether they're distilling, what have you, but mm-hmm. still that small community, that small minded um it's actually not small-minded. It's a large-minded, small community. Yes. Um, that's what I love about podcasts is you can edit, right? <laughs> you know what, though? We tend not to because when somebody makes a mistake like that, it's so good because people can hear that we're human beings oh, and we're normal. And I've had yeah. people knock on the door. I've had the cat. One time the cat was throwing up over there and we just kept it in because it was like, this is real. This is real. But no, but, of course not yeah. small-minded. Yeah. But I get what you mean. Like <laughs> like thinking locally. Right. Sure. And that is what they all do. And that's, again, and I keep saying it, you know, we're collaborators. We're not competitors. Mm-hmm. And those are the like-minded people that... I want to be associated with mm-hmm. and that really are the ones that come together and that want to interact and be that perfect blend. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really important. And so a couple of years ago, um, so Farmstead Ed's going to be 10 next year. Wow. And um, it's morphed. You know, we had six members when first started Mm -hmm. and we're working with over 30 now and that's just still not even scratching the surface of our local ag here um but it's come a long way and i've been able to learn a lot through um uc davis their Mm agritourism intensive program up there um they've got a great statewide program for which now i sit on um their committee for doing annual uh workshops yeah um so that's that's for me that's a way to give back Mm -hmm. you know i've attended so many workshops and if there's anything anybody can learn from me i'm happy to be able to offer that um and unfortunately i mean the good news is it's grown Mm -hmm. and we've gotten more members but it doesn't allow me personally the opportunity to do the things that I used to do. Mm. And so, and that's the individual workshops and mm. um, curating those. So now it's more encouraging and coaching the farms to create their own workshops and mm-hmm. tours. And then, you know, we still, of course, advertise. So I think another huge compliment that I received um, from somebody is that Farmstead Ed is the um, PRWCA for farmers. Yeah. Yeah. And um, that 
made me feel like we're making a difference. And that sounds accurate and to me. It's yeah. a promotional organization. Yeah. And so that I think is where we need to really lay our, um, you know, really lay it in the ground yeah. and, um, stay focused on what it is. Um, because it really, we have two clients at Farmstead Ed. We've got the end consumer, mm-hmm. right? But then we also have the farmer. The producer, yeah. And, or the producer or the maker. Mm-hmm. And so um, that's two different business models. Yeah. That in itself is a full-time job. Yeah. Just managing it. that. And now this year, we just have come under the fiscal sponsorship of CAF, so we're nonprofit. What's CAF? Uh, California Alliance of Family Farmers. Oh. Yes, and, I knew about those guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that has been a huge learning curve for me. And yeah. that has, and a time suck, really. Um, well, it's a lot of paperwork, isn't it? Well, that's the that's the thing about being under a fiscal sponsorship is mm-hmm. that um, the fiscal sponsor takes care of the paperwork, mm-hmm. but still understanding grant writing oh, and sure. what we're, uh, you know, what we can and can't do and yeah. what's out there. And you have to be account. I used to write grants. You have to be accountable to your sponsor. You have to, I mean, you have to back up your claims. You have to show that you, what was earmarked was delivered and there's yeah. a lot to it. So we missed a really big opportunity this year, um, because of the learning curve mm. and not knowing what we didn't know. Yeah. And, um, so next year we'll know better. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's been, that's been a biggie for me and understanding the best way to go down that road. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's taken time. And again, it's important for the farms themselves to create the workshops and the tours mm-hmm. and such. And um, some love doing them. And that's big, huge for them. Mm-hmm. It helps pay their feed bills. Um, some are challenged by county regulation. Yeah. Um, right. And then others are, um, you know, just want to go straight on to farmer's market mm-hmm. or um, that avenue. Yeah. Um, but that's what makes Open Farms Days so special again, because a lot of the farms you went to... Mm-hmm. The, that's one time a year you get to do it. Yeah, you know, yes, totally. And so, and then everybody has special stuff happening that weekend. Did oh, go ahead, please. No, I was just going to say the transition. Distillery Trail reached out to me. They hadn't had an executive director. Yeah, it was a self-run is self-run organization mm-hmm. about the same age as Farmstead Ed, and they said, "Can you come do for us what you did for the farms?" Cool. And the right person for it. I said. What do I know about distilling spirits? I like to drink them. Yeah, but that doesn't really but matter, it, does it? It doesn't. No, you believe in what they do, and you believe in local, the you know, supporting the local economy. Exactly. Yeah, it, it translates. Yeah. Exactly. It did translate and it's been a blast. Yeah. And it's been lots of fun. And we have had more presence out in the community, which is great. And that's mm-hmm. my job is yep. to get us out there. And I keep hearing so many people say, oh, we didn't know there was a distillery trail here. Yeah. But you want to know what the coolest part is? Mm. We are the only distillery trail in all of California. Yeah. That's hard to believe. Isn't it? Yes. I mean, not that we, that it's not hard to believe that we could be that. It's yeah. just hard to believe that nobody else has thought of that, you know? I think people have thought of it. They've tried it. Yeah. Um, but we are the only one currently dedicated distillery trail. Yeah. And, um, you know, and we have only, you know, 
up to go, we've got 13 distilleries currently, yep. and there are more than that in the county, as yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a membership organization that not only is about promoting local distilleries, but it's also about banding together um, when it comes to policy. Yeah. And as you know, there is a lot of crazy policy around spirits. alcohol. Yeah. yeah. Well, alcohol, yes, but and spirits, spirits specifically. Really weird. <laughs> and so, you know, like we're um, going forward on the net, you know, to the board of supervisors we're trying to, you know, adjust some of those policies. So, you know, distillers can be more aligned with, you know, the wineries yeah. and not have crazy rules. So you, I was going to ask, do you do some level of advocacy for these, for the people who are members in either organization? Um, on, it's funny that you say I'm like stopped in my tracks on that. So on the distillery side, Alex Villacana is well, he's very amazing. involved yeah. in all of that. And that is, um, I take my leads from him mm. and he is very involved. I'm learning a lot about policy is huge. Yeah. Um, and that is something I knew zero about when I came in. Well, on, and he paved, side. in many ways, he paved the way. And sure. so he's the one who knows because he fought, you know, to yeah. get it going. But exactly, yeah. exactly. And on the farmer side... Up until fairly recently, I've always made it very clear that Farmstead Ed is a promotional organization. Mm-hmm. And um, my friend Brent over at the Farm Bureau, mm-hmm. he's policy. Yeah. And Brent and I have had a lot of conversations about a lot of different topics. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, you take care of policy, I'll take mm-hmm. care of promotion. Well, guess what? You know what? They're not in separate silos. No, they're really not. They connect. Mm-hmm. And now more than ever, they need to connect. Mm-hmm. And so it is becoming more and more important that I learn more about policy mm-hmm. so that I can become more familiar with it, ask the right questions. Um, cause there's a lot of, there's a lot of no's out there for mm-hmm. our farms mm-hmm. and it shouldn't be that way. Yeah. And, um, and I need to be careful because I'll go down that rabbit hole next. <laughs> I know. And I, and I, Fully appreciate how complex it is. It's yeah, it's crazy. It's yeah. crazy, and it but. is political. I actually just spoke with somebody yesterday um, for the podcast who works in um, tech ethics, and we were talking about lab-grown meat, which I'm sure a lot of people have a lot mm. of feelings about. But something I think we could all agree on is food is politics because it's something that we, it's, it's a commodity. It's something we have to raise ethically. Um, and that goes for all of the things that we eat, right? It has to be done ethically, um, or we're not into it, or it could even be dangerous, unsafe for us. So there's always going to be a political part to that because it's something that we care about. Oh, absolutely. And the rules and regulations that surround food are not really a whole lot less than surround spirits. Mm. Um, If you look at, right? Yeah. And so, yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot of parallels between the two. And Mm -hmm. so that's been a benefit. Yeah. And um, while I couldn't tell you how to distill gin, Mm -hmm. I can sure jump up and down with excitement about it. Yes. And, you know, shout it from the mountaintops. Mm -hmm. And that's really, really what we want to do is we want to get people into the distilleries. We want them to meet the distillers and um, see. And that's what you get to do distillery trail weekend. So that is... 
Um, so the big that, showcase coming yes, up. I, right. And what's the date on that? Oh, so date, um, it's an annual event mm-hmm. and it is August 11 through 14 this year. Okay. And kicks off on Friday and we have, um, our copper card. So this is exciting. I don't know if you've heard about the copper yes, card. I have, but go ahead. And so copper card, bright, shiny thing. Mm-hmm. And that gives you the VIP experience and not just, so you've got distillery trail weekend, mm-hmm. but the copper card never expires. So what that does is it gives you tastings for the, all the distillery distilleries on the so in this case this year it's 13 yeah. distilleries that you get tastings by buying one card yeah. but then you get all the VIP experiences you get to meet the distiller you get to take the tour in the back of the house Fun. and you get that special a lot of them are doing product releases mm-hmm. um and so you get to taste those a couple of them are doing cocktail samplers that are special cool. for their VIPs so yeah so that's really great so the copper card is something you buy it makes a great gift yeah. um and because you don't have to use it only on that weekend. Correct. Which is also, to be honest, really safe with drinking, um, you yeah. know, to say, hey, you can, you don't have to use this just this weekend, but it is fun on, on the opening weekend to have sure. specials and things like oh, that. Oh yeah. And the energy. And oh, the energy around it is great. And yeah. you know, we're going to have, um, photography stations and mm-hmm. live music everywhere and great food and, um, and, you know, I'm not supposed to have a favorite kid, right? That's yeah, how yeah, that yeah. goes. But um, uh, Calwise does a cheese and chocolate pairing oh, that boy. Aaron hits spot on. Yeah. And the, and those are my two favorite food groups, yeah. cheese and chocolate. <laughs> and then you throw whiskey in there and, not you know, a problem. happy girl. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Happy, happy. Yeah, but just as happy going over to Pendray's where they're going to be doing Amaro floats using Leo Leo gelato. That sounds so, so good. How could, you know, especially in the summer, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, Refine's doing a new gig. Um, they've got some cocktail workshops mm. that they're starting on. Um, I feel like those guys always have something new going on. They do. Yeah, they do. Um, but everybody's got something special to offer. They have their own spin on whatever it is they do. And um, it's going to be a lot of fun, super educational. Mm -hmm. And my biggest advice is um, hook up with a tour company. Yeah. And just let them do the driving. Yeah. Um, You know, drinking responsibly, you can drink a little less responsibly when you have a tour company. Right. Yes. And I so um, believe in that or get a buddy to drive. I mean, Right. I, as I get older, I am the DD a lot of the time because I can't, I just can't, I don't um, metabolize things as well as I used to. (laughs) So I just tend to like not sometimes and just be the DD, which is also an act of support for these people because you can take people around. I mean, in support of these distillers. Right. Um, Yeah. And winemakers too. But anyway, yeah, being the DD is supportive as well. It is very much so. And, um, yeah. And the distillers, they'll usually, if they're making a cocktail using root elixir, for example, mm-hmm. they'll pour you some root elixir over yeah. ice and, yeah, yeah. you know, take good care of those DDs. Yes. The mocktail so, situation is so fun right now. Oh yeah. It really yeah, is. It is for sure. And yeah, I'm excited. I'm as excited about distillery trail weekend coming up mm-hmm. as, um, we've just recovered from open farm day. Oh my gosh, I know. <laughs> you guys did so much. What is your team like? Is it just you? So there's me, myself, and I. Okay. And then uh, Jennifer Talent is pretty much my right appendage. Yeah. Um, she and her mom own Groves on 41. Oh, yeah. And she is amazing. She's got a corporate event planning background. Oh, and, handy. Um, she's a super amazing thought partner as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so throwing, we'll sit and throw pasta on the wall. Um, and see what sticks mm-hmm. and come from it 
in two different directions, which is great. And this year, because we had the marketplace, um, Gina Hambly with Hambly Farms and Bobby over at Color de la Vie, Mm -hmm. they co-chaired that. Um, We brought in Kyle from Just Us Events, Mm -hmm. and she really tied tied it all together. She's good. Yeah, Yeah. she's she's awesome. I mean, she's let's face it, she's a badass. Well, she does all the best events. I mean, if you she does, and she's kind of behind the scenes, but then you come to find out, oh, it's it's Kyle. Yeah, Yeah, that's cool. And she's so behind the scenes um, that you almost don't appreciate if you haven't done it yourself mm-hmm. you don't appreciate all that goes into what it takes to put an event together yeah and um this year especially couldn't have done it without her and mm-hmm. i was really honored and so humbled that she would take our little event mm-hmm. um because she does do those big huge um events and that's what we hope when we grow up we want to be that someday yeah, yeah. have you ever been um, to Italy. I have. You have, have you done agritourism? I have. Okay. Tell me about your experiences with that. So, um, after visiting Italy, I came home and cause I did do the agriturismos over there. Was that part of why and you went? It was. Okay. Um, it was, and I was traveling with a friend of mine that wasn't sure he was especially keen on, on that. Yeah. And so I'm like, you plan the food and the wine yep. and I'll plan this over here Mm -hmm. and if we have to (laughs) well so as it turns out we ended up having one of the best days was truffle hunting yep oh and um and the food that goes i'm like hey agritourism has food yeah just so we're clear on this like always (laughs) what it's all about right a dog or a pig so we went with a dog okay and actually what was cool is that it was a training session Mm. so it was an older dog and then there was a pup and we were training the And we pup. were training the pup. That's so they fun. planted some obstacles for them. Yeah. Um, and the older dog stayed back. Mm-hmm. And then if the younger dog was having a tough time, that older dog would come in and kind of help lead it. Shepherd it, yep. And so it was really great. That it is was so great. Cool. But what was the sense of community in Italy um, was kind of what I'm talking about here mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. that... Um, it was, you'd sit down to a meal and the bread came from down the road from that guy. The cheese came from that guy and you can't, and this kind of brings me all back to shepherd to chef, Mm -hmm. our dinner. Mm -hmm. Um, it took 15 farms to put dinner on that table. Mm -hmm. It took two chefs. It took, um, three shifts. Was the rule that they couldn't use anything from outside County? Well, or was it, it like the, as much as possible? It was as much as possible. Yeah. So, you know, we were working with chef Rachel and yeah. Justin Lewis, and we said, here's the slow County farm trail. Mm-hmm. And we would love for you to make this your grocery store. Mm-hmm. And here are all the things that are in season and here where all at which farms. Mm-hmm. And if you can create a menu using from these, that would be amazing. That's yeah. our goal. And then, um, from that, then, you know, uh, there's supplement, but they really didn't need a whole lot of supplement. Well, I'm sure they did Especially didn't. in summer. Yeah. Especially yeah. in I mean, summer. I mean, I'm even thinking that just olive oil alone, it binds so many things, yeah. but yeah, you, there's so much you can do with what we've got. Right. And so that dinner in itself that, you know, it's like the farm raised lamb mm-hmm. and they are coming new, coming on scene, making cheese. Mm-hmm. And so, and then you have all the produce from folks like Avila Valley Barn, go yeah. for Glen, Tally, um, Slow Creek Farms, mm-hmm. um, the ed- beautiful edible flowers from Green Elixir. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it just, the olive oils that were there to your point, yeah. the honey, everything. It was, um, 
it was just so special and magical that you can do that. But for me to be able to do that kind of scorekeeping, if you will, mm-hmm. because when you sit down to your dinner table, you don't really think where all the places this food came from. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so to think about, and this was a bit on the grand side, but I did an average, um, over a week's about a week's amount of time and literally between five and seven farms, if you look at your plate, mm-hmm. things come from five yeah. to seven farms. Yeah. And so what does it take to keep those five to seven farms going, you yeah. know, and it's our community support yeah. and it's the local support yeah. um, that does that. But, um, totally. Yeah. When, uh, Jake and I were in Italy, we worked on, um, eight, I think different family farms. Eight? Well, we were there for six months. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. So uh, it was divided up by that with the occasional vacation from our vacation because <laughs> it was really hard work. I I was, again, I'm a weak person. I admit that. <laughs> I didn't know it until I did this. But we stayed in places that their focus was um, goats, goat meat, goat milk, um, and gosh, we did raspberries. We did uh, a farm that had everything, um, but they had their own cheese shop on site that oh. they did. And we got to make mozzarella with them. We're really bad at it. We're trying to make the ball. <laughs> They're trying to explain it to us. I have a great video of Jake trying to do it and failing. Um, oh. But it is so ingrained in the lifestyle there. And I don't mean to lift it up on a pedestal. Every culture has its issues. But I would say that the Italian culture is pretty far ahead on bringing ag to the average person. Yes. It's really systematized uh, and agriturismos are really valued um, we worked on one, the goat farm where we actually also, they had a restaurant on site and we had to feed, we worked in the kitchen. Um, and the people who get, it was always packed always. And people really valued being where they could see the goats and they would do, you know, the roaming, um, pastures and they were really invested in it for them to want to come and stay. And another thing was it wasn't super expensive. It was actually quite affordable. It was. Yeah. So I would like to see, uh, well, maybe you have plans to do any kind of like agritourism in terms of stays, farm stays. Is that something on your radar? It is on my radar and it, I'm sorry to say it comes back to county regulations and what we can and can't do. Yeah. Um, we've had some companies come into the area that really wanted to celebrate our farms and agritourism Mm -hmm. and some of the regulations made it cost prohibitive. And so, um, it, it, but I would, I mean, I would love to be able to do something like yeah. that, to have a farm stay where people come and stay and they learn and enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and like engage with exactly. the work that's being done. And that's, I think, you know, with Farmstead Ed and our workshops, um, that's a three hour window of yeah. that. So it's a taste, yep. you know, they get about a one hour farm tour and classroom session mm-hmm. and a classroom could be a packing shed. It could be under the oak tree. Yeah, yeah. And then if you're growing your own cocktail garden, mm-hmm. then you literally get your hands dirty and planting your own garden. You get to take home. Yeah. And, um, so it, there is that interaction and engagement, but for me and like you, mm-hmm. I want to live it. Yeah. 
And, um, and it's not for everybody, Mm -hmm. but I think it would be really neat. I think the closest thing, um, that I can think of to something like that would be out at the Lazy Arrow Kamada Ranch. Yes. Um, And I've never stayed there. I would love to. And that's a, um, really special place out there. And it's, I mean, that's a staycation. Oh, I mean, well, we can pull those off here. I mean, staycation here is pretty magnificent. It is. It is, you know, between the coast and the coastal range and then out, you know, out yonder. Yeah. Um, but that's really special with their exotic animals Mm -hmm. and, you know, so many of the animals that they have there, you know, know, some people have to travel to South Africa to see them and you can go right there. And, um, but it is very special out there Mm. and highly recommend a stay out there. Okay. We'll have to make that happen. Well, I can, I, it's on my list now. And, you know, and they have horseback riding out there too, Jamie. Yeah. Oh, for anybody? Yeah. Like even not, cause yeah. they're not great. Um, but Central I'm okay. Coast, Central Coast Trail Rides. I did a ride with them for my birthday this yeah. year and I absolutely loved it. Yeah. I loved it. It they felt do, good to be back in They the do summer. rides out there too. Yeah. And we're getting into a really, or we're not getting, we're there. We're in a very hot time of year. Yes. So not a lot going on, but, uh, you know, wait for fall. Okay. And, um, <gasps> there's a, um, there's something that I love to do. It's called women in the outdoors Yeah, and that's out there. And, what is that? um, so that is this really cool organization. And basically it's a weekend of all these different mini workshops mm. and you can do everything from, um, you know, practice up on your shooting. Mm. You can go pheasant hunting. Mm-hmm. You can, uh, do outdoor photography with Brittany app. <gasps> you can, can do flower arranging. You can do Dutch oven cooking, okay, leather work. I want to do this. I want to do this. All sorts. Of, all yeah. Send just, me the info. I will. It's okay. super cool. It's really fun. So you come in on Friday evening, and like I bring my horse trailer in, even though I don't bring a horse. Yeah. But I have my living quarters is in my horse trailer. Oh, you're so smart. And yeah. so I bring that in. That's what I stay in. Some people bring in their big diesel pushers. Yeah. Other people stay in the little cabins that they have to rent. Could there. one bring a tiny tent? One could. <laughs> Cause that's all I have. You could bring your tiny tent and park it next to my horse trailer and we could have our own little, you know, little compound. I love it. That <laughs> sounds, exciting. it's a lot of, it's a lot of fun and it really is, you know, without getting too kumbaya about it, mm-hmm. um, but just really a great fellowship with women. Yeah. And, and then the food, oh my oh, gosh, sure Felicia knocks it out and the boys on the barbecue. I mean, it is phenomenal food. Oh. And it's really a lot of just really interesting women out there. Yeah. And so that's a really fun event. Um, and then they've, they've got different workshops going on, you know, mm-hmm. lots in the spring. Yeah. Um, and then they'll have more in the fall and then they have music out there sometimes too. Oh, so gosh, we're yeah. so lucky. We're so lucky. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to get like nas- navel gazing or anything, but it really is a spectacular place. It's it a wonderful place. And the deeper I get into it, the happier I get. I don't know. There are some places where the deeper you go in, you don't want to see anymore. And here, the further down I go, the happier I get about where I am. So it is, it's a special, it's truly special. And I guess I look out with my work, um, and I used to travel a lot for Mm -hmm. work. Mm -hmm. And so really for the first five years I lived here, people thought it was my second home because they didn't see me very often, but my home was my suitcase. Mm -hmm. And, um, but in traveling everywhere I've traveled and I got to pick here to come home to, and I call it my bubble. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I drive in the gate when I get home and my shoulders go down four inches and it's just, 
it's truly a special place. Mm -hmm. And of all the play, I get to go experience the world, Mm -hmm. but then I get to come home here. Yeah. And how lucky am I? We all feel that way. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So speaking of home, um, if it was your last day on earth and you wanted to have a good time celebrating with your people, what would you eat? What would you drink? And who would be there? Oh my gosh. Um, well, I have a very close tight knit circle of friends Mm -hmm. and family and, um, they're all very special to me. And I think my most favorite thing, honestly, is to be at my place doing a family barbecue. Yeah. And, um, it's about the beef baby. (laughs) I was going to ask what's on the barbecue. So what is it like a big tri-tip roast? So it might be tri-tip usually, Mm -hmm. um, sausages for sure. Yeah. Oh, my uncle makes the best sausages. I love, I love it. And it's I like love a shortcut to flavor. I right? Love it. Yeah, it yeah. is. And it's such a ceremony. You know, it's like, well, the fire gets started mm-hmm. and it gets to that certain spot. They crack open the beers, the sausages go on, mm-hmm. then the coals get to that magic, you know, temperature and yeah. then the meat goes on and, you know, you do grilled veggies. There's mm-hmm. some probably potato salad with more bacon in it because yep. bacon is my, you know, other favorite food group. Yes. Yes. Um, Homemade ice cream. That's mm. something we used to do. Haven't done that in a long time. Yeah. Um, and then the summer flavors, right? Whether it be peaches or berries. Is summer or, your season? Yeah. That, yeah, yeah. Um, from a food standpoint, yes. I think. It's so um, abundant. I mean. And all the things, you know, and then just deciding what are you going to eat. Um, mm-hmm. Whether it's fresh tomato and basil with, you know, a little mozzarella mm-hmm. or... Um, you know, getting that olive oil, again, back to the local olive oil. Yeah, I have a real thing for it. It's, you know, you put it on the bread to put it on the grill. And we've got so many, you know, some great bakers out here. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, still my all-time favorite is Tim Veach's um, sourdough forever. Uh, (laughs) So lovely. I need to get him back on. He might be the only person I ever have on twice. He's Um, so, he's got so much to say. He does. He's great. He's great great. I really appreciated meeting him and yeah. kind of at the beginning of his journey when he came to He's this special. area. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so that would be my meal. Sounds just really super good. simple. Super what about fresh. drinking? Oh, drinking always. So, um, Oh gosh, so many choices in that regard. I am a whiskey girl, mm-hmm. but in the summer, um, I, you know, I like a, a good gin and tonic, but yeah. again, it has some kind of special summer flavor to mm-hmm, it, mm-hmm. you know, whether it be cucumber or yeah. something fresh mint. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And I became a gin liker, um, late in life. Mm. I would have known, but it, it had to do with learning craft gin. Here. Yeah. It's, it's it a really real did. specialty. Yeah. And mm. understanding why I didn't like it before, because it was what you get at the grocery store. Yes. So we're back to that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it would probably, I love my bubbles, rosé bubbles. Yeah, same. Oh my gosh. Same. So to start something with rosé bubbles, yeah. um, yeah, uh, probably that would be how I would always start. And then, or, Hey, let's make it easy. Do a French 75 and then you can have <gasps> the gin and the bubbles. That's my have you had it with crowbars, butterfly gin? No, that's the pink gin, right? It's the blue. Blue. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, I have not. Okay, had that. that needs to be on okay. your list. Okay. Yeah. Do you, they do it over there? Yeah, on, they do. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that has been my drink for a long time. The sexiest thing that ever happened to me, I think, is it was my birthday. My husband was out of town. I decided to have 10 women go down to Novo for dinner, just super low key on a weeknight. And the server came up 
with 10 French 75s and said, <gasps> this is from Jacob. And I was like, oh my gosh. Nailed it. Nailed it. And we'll have 30 more of those, please. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Anyway, that's but awesome. yes, that's my dream. I want to come to your birthday party. You can you could totally come. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so that would be the answer to that. And mm. then um you got to have, you know, a good red wine with yeah. your meat. Yeah. And Oh my gosh, um, we are spoiled for choice with that. We totally are spoiled for choice. Yeah. I had this fun discovery um Bill and Barbara Spencer who used to own yes. Winrose Farm. So was helping them move and they had mm. a secret cellar I knew nothing about in all the years I knew them. Mm-hmm. And it was filled with wine. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, we're not moving that to New York. Oh my gosh, you so got it. I got it <gasps> and shared, but kept a lion's share. Yeah. And um, there was, and I'm going to draw a blank on his name at the moment, yeah. Michael. Um, he was, I think the proper way to say he was a cellar master. And at one, back in the day, there was only one place where people stored their wine yeah. or if it was any big lots or whatever. And he would keep a case back as quality control mm-hmm. samples. So mm-hmm. if they ever said, you know, my wine went bad in your cellar, he'd be like, mm, no, it's not. Yes. Because, right. You know? Um, so anyway, there were stragglers of those cases. So there oh. were just like some amazing wines in there. Oh, wow. And I literally think there were only four bad bottles that, I mean, they were so. Like, give me an example of something. Uh, um, so there were, why can I not think of the name of were his label? Were there like. Eberly um, things in there? There was no Eberly. Halter was in there nice, for sure. Yeah. Uh, I want to say like, start with a K. Kula? Um, oh. Is that right? Uh, yeah, uh, that is. Yes. Uh, like Insane Port. Yeah. Um, wow. And then um, his label, which most oh, of no, the- Oh, no. Kukula. Is that who you're thinking of? Oh, well, anyway. Anyway. It's okay. Yeah, I'm I'm the worst with names. That's I will okay. tell you what we talked about, what you were wearing. I can do this, All too. the things, and then I will never remember your name. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the part, hard part, because I'm very visual, yeah. um, but the hard part is is that most of the labels, because this was a uh, CMU cinder block um, cellar, yeah. and all the lime, yeah. right? Yeah, so were they degraded? So they were all degraded. Yeah. So most of the bottles, it was like a spin, you know, you talk about spin the bottle, but it was yeah. a mystery. What's going to be in here? I mean, you knew it was red. Mm-hmm. And then one of the gals that was helping us, she's like, oh, look at all this white. That's probably not good. We should throw that away. I'm like, stop. stop. Do not throw that out. <laughs> yeah. And it was, and that was Halter. And mm-hmm. um, it was divine. Yeah. It was divine. White can age really beautifully depending on what it is in the year and all, all that. The, all the things. And I'm not a wine aficionado by any stretch, mm-hmm. but I know what I like. Yeah. And I like a good red and that was in there for well, sure. Well, when you're, when you're eating beef, the only thing that's right is a red wine for oh, yeah. me. Mm-hmm. And you better get the good stuff out. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, lucky for me that, you know, we've got such good stuff available. We sure do. Yeah. And it's just always, you know, and that's what I love about a family gathering too. And it took me a lot of years to kind of get over this. I always, because of the project manager in me, mm-hmm. I always wanted to orchestrate the menu because I wanted all the flavors to go together yeah, and yeah, everything yeah. to all be there. But then and this has only been in recent years and I host a huge Easter dinner at my place, friends and family and decided to make it a potluck. I provide the meat Mm -hmm. and we did it barbecue, which I'd never done before. Was that as fulfilling for you? It was better. Oh really? It ended up being, but it was incredibly stressful. The first one, but, um, everybody brings their best for a potluck. Yeah. Yeah. Especially for Easter. And it was just a time where I was slammed. I didn't have, I usually would take a couple 
couple days off before so I could cook and prepare and do all the things. And I just didn't have the time. And yeah. so they'd been trying to talk me into this for years. And so finally I'm like, okay. Yeah. And uh, we did it and it was great. And we've been doing it ever since. That's and cool. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, it's so much easier and, and it's collaborative and everybody gets to contribute. Yeah. And it just backs up what I always have to remind myself of is, you know, we enjoy being a giver yeah. and that gives us such joy, right? Yes. But being a receiver is really hard. Yeah. And, but you have to allow people the gift of giving. Yep. And, and see what it. comes of it yeah. and see what, what all of it makes together. Right. Yeah. So it might not be what you would have done, but mm-hmm. it could be better. Yeah, it could be. Yeah. So. Well, you are such a cheerleader, um, for all, you know, all of these different organizations and, and businesses, but it really does. It's a rising tide and lifting all boats, the it whole is. thing. It really does work. And you're a great example of that. So oh, thank you, Jamie. Thank you for that. coming. Oh, it was great to be here. Love being at your kitchen table. Yay. Thank you. <laughs> that wraps up another episode of the Consumed Podcast. If you like what you've heard here, please like and leave a review. It really does help. And if you want more information about any of the guests on Consumed, you can find a page of notes for each episode at letsgetconsumed.com. You'll also find a sign-up form for the Consumed newsletter and contact info for me in case you have comments, compliments, questions, or suggestions for people you think should be on the show. I'm Jamie Lewis. Thanks as always for listening.